1 John 2, verse 28. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful that you're here tonight. I do want to mention the singing that we had this afternoon at Olive Grove Terrace. We had really very, very good participation. We had a lot of, a lot of people present. We had a lot of young people present. And let me tell you what, they can sing. And they can really, really sing well. And I'm very proud of all of them. I was thinking just a moment ago when Danton read, or actually Danton didn't read the scripture, but he led prayer tonight. And I was thinking about when I, you know, when I was his age, if somebody had called on me to lead opening prayer, I don't think I could have walked to the podium. I would have been so scared. And so we're proud of all of our young people, Danton, Isaiah, all of our young guys that take part in our services, our young ladies. We have so much to be grateful for. And we're very thankful that they are a part of our congregation. But we did have great representation today. And I know that it is uplifting and encouraging to the residents at Olive Grove Terrace. Many of those people are unable to get out. And so to, to see visitors and to have the opportunity to, to sing and to be a part of, of a devotional period like we had today, Brother Billy leading us, it was just a great, great uh, time well spent. We're going to be looking tonight in our study at 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. The theme of our study tonight, staying close to the Lord. James said in the long ago, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It should be our desire to stay close to the Lord. And there are a number of ways that we stay close to the Lord. One way, of course, would be to stay in his word, to make sure that we are feeding upon his word on a regular basis. And then also to worship God on a regular basis. Again, we think about trying to stay close to God and we are communing with him through the various acts of worship. A third way that I believe we can stay close to the Lord would be through prayer. To know that we have the opportunity to approach the throne of God seven days a week, 24 hours a day, night or day. The Father has his gracious ear open unto us. And so that ought to be of great encouragement. But when you look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, there is said before us this idea of staying close to the Lord. And the first thing that I would call your attention to is the importance of abiding in the Lord or abiding in Christ. And then there is a second thing that we see in this particular text, and that has to do with the inevitable appearing of the Lord. Because John here makes reference to the ultimate appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's think for just a moment about the importance of abiding in the Lord. I would submit unto you that it ought to be a priority in our life. Those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we ought to prioritize and make sure that we are staying close to the Lord. What are some earmarks whereby we can discern whether or not we are staying close to the Lord? Well, there are some things that I believe that we ought to 
take into consideration as we think about this idea of abiding in the Lord and the importance of abiding in the Lord. First of all, let me call your attention to the fellowship that we have in the Lord. One of the great things that you and I have in common is that we have fellowship with deity. We have fellowship with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. John makes that point in 1 John chapter 1 in about verse 3. You and I, we have been called into the fellowship by God himself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9, Paul talks about how God has called us into this fellowship, into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. There is, first of all, vertical fellowship. That is, the fellowship that we maintain with God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son. It's a very important fellowship that, that exists between us. Over in 1 John chapter 3, John talks about the great love that God has bestowed on us. Listen to him in 1 John 3 verse 1. He said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons or the children of God. One of the beautiful aspects of our fellowship with God is we are called his children. God is our heavenly Father. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, the, the fact that we enjoy a, a common bond with deity, that we enjoy communion with deity. There's not only this, this idea of vertical fellowship, but there's also horizontal fellowship. And the idea here is that we maintain fellowship with one another. We are, as Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, we are people of like precious faith. The tie that binds, what is it that binds us together? It's not necessarily our race. It's not necessarily our educational background. It's not our social status. It's not our political standing, but rather what binds us together is our relationship to God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. We are, as Peter said, people of like precious faith. In Acts chapter 2, we read about those who obeyed the gospel on Pentecost Day. And in verse 42, the apostle, well, Luke, records for us that they continued, that is the early church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. The Bible also says in that same context that they were all together. Here is the idea of oneness, of communion, fellowship, joint participation. All of those words underscore the fellowship that we have with one another. And so when we talk about abiding in the Lord, we need to understand that we enjoy a very privileged status in this life. And that status is we have fellowship with the Lord. Not everybody enjoys that kind of, of status, if you please. Now, granted, it's open to all. The Lord is interested in all people partaking of this fellowship. Over and over again, there is an appeal in the Bible for people to come to the Lord. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is interested in us as people. And so much so that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins. That through our obedience to the gospel, we can enjoy fellowship with God the Father and then Jesus Christ the Son. There's a second thing that I think we need to appreciate when we talk about abiding in the Lord, the importance of abiding in the Lord. And that is the fact that we have forgiveness of our sins. You and I, we are part of the body of Christ. And 
John talks about the forgiveness that we maintain through our relationship to the Lord. You ever thought about that? The forgiveness that is extended to us on a regular basis? Let, let me just call your attention back to chapter one. In chapter one, John said, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Have you obeyed the gospel? If your answer is yes, let me ask this question. Do you still have a problem with sin? You ever make mistakes? You ever stumble and succumb to temptation? If your answer is no, let me just say this, you are an extraordinary person. I've never known anyone outside the Lord, and I can read about him in, in the New Testament, I've never known anybody who claims to be a follower of God who has said he or she is perfect. It just, it's just not a reality. But because of our relationship with the Lord, we are no longer practitioners of sin and unrighteousness, but rather we are practitioners of righteousness. That the idea is we're striving to do what is right. That's our goal. That's our intent. Listen to what John said in verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. That's the idea. We are practitioners of righteousness. We've put to death an old way of life. In other words, we've gotten out of the sinning business. We've given up that way of life. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we're not gonna make mistakes because we all do. But when we do make mistakes, what are we called upon to do? In 1 John chapter 1, verse nine, here's what John said. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? To forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number one, we have to be willing to confess, to acknowledge our mistakes. One of the problems that we have sometimes as members of the human family is pride. No wonder Solomon said in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. I plan in the next, well, very soon to do a series of lessons on the Beatitudes. And the very first Beatitude in Matthew chapter five has to do with humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We have to be willing to acknowledge our mistakes. But then secondly, there is what? There's forgiveness, cleansing. John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I said just a moment ago that our desire is to live above sin. Now, I understand that we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We say and do things that we know we shouldn't do. And so, based on that fact, based on those facts, we have the Lord working on our behalf. He serves as an advocate. In 1 John chapter 2, John said, my little children, well, he said, if any man sins, let him know he has an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Look, if you would, at 1 John chapter 2. He said, my little children, these things I write to you, that what? That you sin not. That's the divine ideal. You rise above sin. But he says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is what? He's a propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. The divine ideal is that we rise above sin. Well, what happens when we fall short? We confess it, and the Lord pleads our case. The picture here 
is that of an advocate, somebody who's standing before the judge and pleading our case, and that's the picture of Jesus Christ working on our behalf in heaven. The Bible talks about how Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. Aren't you grateful that as long as we abide in the Lord, we talk about the importance of abiding in the Lord. One of the reasons we need to abide in the Lord is because we have this special fellowship with the Lord. We have fellowship with his people and with God. And then we need to abide in the Lord. We need to do our best to live a faithful life. Why? So that we can have forgiveness. Now I said a moment ago that John is not saying that we are perfect. Again, listen to John. He said, my little children, these things I write to you that you sin not. That's the ideal. That's what God wants, that we get out of that kind of, that kind of thinking. That is, that we get away from practicing a life of sin. But he said, if anyone sins, that right there says that we, we sometimes make mistakes, we succumb to temptation. But it's not, it's not a way of life. It's not something that's habitual, common to us, if you please. So, our fellowship in the Lord, and then there is our forgiveness in the Lord. But there is a third thing that I believe we need to consider. And this has to do with our faithfulness to the Lord. Why is it important for me to abide in the Lord? Well, because the Lord wants me to be a faithful servant of his. He wants me to abide in his word. What is it that governs your life? What is it that is to govern the life of a child of God? Well, we know that what is to govern our lives is Scripture. We have submitted to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. Jesus is Lord. The idea is he's the one who is reigning or ruling in my life. How then does Jesus reign or rule in my life? How is it that he legislates my behavior here on planet Earth? Well, what he wants me to do is follow his word. Live in accordance with his precepts. Now in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, John said, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of his son Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. There's the idea of our fellowship and our forgiveness in the Lord. The blood of Christ continually availing in the lives of those who claim to be children of God and who live in accordance with his will. But what does it mean to walk in the light? Let me just sum it up very easily, very quickly. It means to live in accordance with the Bible, to live in accordance with the teaching of Almighty God. If you're living in accordance with the teaching of Almighty God and you're doing your, de your dead level best as a child of God, then let me tell you what, God is pleased with you because you're doing what he's asked of you. In 1 John chapter 2 at verse 3, John said, Hereby we do know that we know him. All right, here's the question. How do we know whether or not we have a relationship with the Lord? How do we know whether or not we're faithful to God? Is it, is it just based on the criterion that I, that I set down? Is it based on the model that someone else has, has put in writing or set down? No, it's based on what? Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. That's, that's what... That's what John said. You want to know whether or not you're faithful to the Lord? You want to know whether or not God is pleased with your life? Then follow his word. Now, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, John said, this is the love of God, that you keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, it's, it's not a, a burdensome task 
to keep the commands of God. Are some commands more difficult to obey and, and to abide under than others? Well, absolutely. But the bottom line is this. If we truly love God, if we love the Lord, and we're appreciative of all that he's done for us, we're going to do what he says. Why? Because we want to do what he says. Because we have this relationship with the Lord. We're trying to the best of our ability to grow closer to him every day. We talk about staying close to the Lord, becoming like the Lord. And let me just say this. The model for our behavior, the model for how we are to live in this life, it ought to be the Lord and not mankind. I think Paul understood that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul said in verse one, be ye followers or imitators of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now here's what John said. In 1 John chapter two, he said, well, look if you would at 1 John 2, verse 6. He said, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. What's John saying there? He's saying that if you claim to be a follower of the Lord, if you claim to be one of his children, you ought to walk as the Lord walked. In other words, he ought to be your pattern for behavior. He ought to be the one who is your great example. Why is it that the Lord needs to be our example? Why is it that we need to look to him as a pattern for how we live? Because people, but you and me, we're not perfect. And sometimes we're not what we ought to be. Paul said that we, Paul said to the church at Corinth that they were to follow him insofar as he followed the Lord. You and I, we could encourage others to follow us insofar as we follow the Lord. But people can let us down. People can make mistakes. People can say and do things that they ought not. And so the ultimate model the one in whose steps we are to follow is Jesus Christ. And that's what John is saying here in 1 John 2. You claim to be a follower of the Lord, you claim to abide in him, then walk as he walked. Live as he lived. Do as he did. All right, so we talk about abiding in the word. But then what about the allurements of the world? Again, staying close to the Lord. The importance of abiding in the Lord. What we have to understand is that just because we claim to be children of God and just because we're striving to be practitioners of righteousness and do what is set forth in the scriptures doesn't mean that Satan's not going to do his dead level best to somehow circumvent our faith. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, John said, love not the world. One of the ways that Satan attacks those of us who claim to be children of God is through the world, through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. <coughs> Excuse me. The devil is doing his best to appeal to the hearts and lives of young and old alike. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, when Paul wrote to the saints in Corinth, he said, be not conformed unto this world. It's very easy for us to see what's going on in the world and, and, and to see how the devil baits people through the world. The appeal is to get us thinking like the world and acting like the world and talking like the world and guess what happens? 
Before you know it, we've fallen in love with the world and we've left our relationship with the Lord behind. There is the danger of being allured by the devices of Satan. Paul talks about how we're not ignorant of the devices of Satan when he wrote to the churches, or rather to the church at Corinth. You and I, we need to understand that the devil does not want, the, the devil doesn't want us to stay close to the Lord. What he wants to do is somehow drive a wedge between us and the Lord. How's he going to do that? Well, through the world, through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Another way he's going to do that is to get us so caught up in worldly activities that we forget about our relationship to the Lord. We get so caught up in the mundane things of life that what happens? Well, we quit re reading the Word of God. We don't spend time reading and studying the Word of God. How much time do you spend in this book on a daily basis? Let, let me just ask this question. Did you eat lunch today? Did you eat breakfast you plan to eat tonight? For most of us, the answer would be yes, yes, and yes. Well, did you eat yesterday? Again, the answer would be, well, did you eat, did you eat dinner last night? Yes. Did you eat lunch? Yes. Did you eat breakfast? Probably yes. Well, what about the day before that? Did you eat lunch? Did you eat dinner? Did you eat breakfast? Again, yes, yes, yes. So we understand the importance of what? We understand the importance of food, nutrition to the body. What was it Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. We never forget to eat, physically speaking. Every time food is on the table, guess where we are? Our feet our legs are right up under the table and we're ready to eat. Why? Because we, we like to eat and we understand the importance of, of, of eating on a regular basis. Why is it that we feed the physical body but we fail to feed the soul? You can't stay close to the Lord and stay out of harm's way and, and the appeal of the world if you don't stay in this book. I promise you if you're not staying in this book on a regular basis, your faith is not going to be what it ought to be. You're not going to be close to the Lord. You can't be close to the Lord. Look at the psalmist in Psalm 119. The psalmist said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The world lies under the sway of the wicked one in 1 John 5 verse 19. The world, according to Jesus, is engulfed in spiritual darkness. What then illuminates... A darkened world of sin. It is this book. Let me tell you, the devil does not fear a closed Bible, but he does fear an open Bible. If you've got your Bible open and you're reading and studying and meditating on the truth of Almighty God, you're going to draw close to God. James said, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. The more time you spend in this book, the more time you strive to make your life or put your life in harmony with this book, the better your life's going to be. There are so many people in our world today, their lives are, are chaotic. When you look at, at, well, when you look in the home and you look at the husband-wife relationship, it's a mess. You look at the child-rearing process. You look at, 
at the way the parents are rearing their children and treating their children and disciplining their children. It's a mess. And many times those same parents are neglecting them spiritually. And then you look at, you look at all of the other things that are going on in this, in this world and you see that so many people's lives are chaotic. They are literally messed up. Why? Because their Bibles are closed. I'm telling you, the devil does not fear a closed Bible. And if the only time you open this book is on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night, shame on you. You ought to do better than that. Matter of fact, you not, not only should you be doing better than that, the Lord expects you to do better than that. I'll tell you what, if you only open his word two times a week, try, try getting by eating two times a week. See how, that, see how far that gets you. You're going to find out you're going to be in a lot of trouble. You've got to stay close to the Lord. And so, again, we talk about abiding in the Lord and the allurements of the world. How can you and I develop a Christ-like life how, if Jesus is our model and we're trying to become more like him in the way that we act, in the way that we carry ourselves, in our speech, in our demeanor, in, in our spirit, if we're trying to be more like Jesus, where are we going to learn to do all those things? The only, way, the only place I know that, that we can learn to model our behavior after Jesus is in this book that we call the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John present four different portraits of the same person, Jesus Christ. And so if you want to be like the Lord, spend time in his book. If you want to stay close to the Lord, spend time in this book. What about a fourth thing, our future with the Lord? Now, do we have a future with the Lord? I think we do. Listen to what John said in verse 28. He said, and now little children abide in him that when he appears, we, have, we may have confidence. One of the great things about being a child of God is that we have hope for the future. When we talk about Christianity, the beauty of Christianity is there is something far greater than this earthly sphere of existence. It's called heaven. We talked about heaven this morning. In 1 John chapter 5, John said, This is the testimony that God has given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God does not have life. If you have the Son of God abiding in your life and you're abiding in him, read John 15, where Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. As long as you abide in the vine, guess what? You have a relationship with the Lord. John said, these things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know that you have eternal life? You say, well, I don't know. You may, you may ask, how can I know? Well, let me tell you how you can know. Just pick up this book and read and study it. Again, we talk about staying close to the Lord. If we're trying to stay close to the Lord and we're trying to, to grow as God's people, 
The more time we spend in this book, the greater our confidence in our relationship to the Lord. When you, when you begin to waver in your relationship to the Lord, when you begin to question whether or not you have eternal life and whether or not you, you have a, a home in heaven, you're lacking something. What is that something you're lacking? You're lacking confidence in this book. John said, these things I have written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you may know you have eternal life. If somebody were to ask you today, tonight, do you have eternal life, would you say yes or no or maybe? Or would you say, I don't know? If you don't know, something's wrong. We as God's people, we live in hope of life eternal which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. We can know that we're saved. We have a future with the Lord. We talk about the importance of abiding in the Lord. One of the important reasons why we abide in the Lord is because we have a future. L let me just say this. Look, look around in our world and look at all of the things that people are buying into, trying to find happiness, contentment, satisfaction. There are some people that they're looking to alcohol, they're looking to some, some kind of drug, whether it be some kind of chemical drug, prescription drug, whatever the case may be. There are some people that are looking to, to sexual immorality to somehow satisfy them and bring them pleasure and gratification. There are some individuals in our world that are looking to some kind of Eastern religion to, to bring about happiness and contentment. I mean, the list goes on and on, but let me tell you, you can look far and wide, you can look high and low, you will never, ever, ever, ever find anything like Christianity. There is nothing that can calm the soul and that can give confidence and peace and contentment to your life like Christianity can. I promise you that. There are people in our world today, they're out here trying to find happiness in some remote area, in some off-the-wall thing. It is not there. It will never be there. The only thing that can satisfy the soul is Jesus Christ and God the Father. And if you don't have the Lord in your life, you're missing out on everything. I don't care if you're young, and old, young or old, black or white, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. You are missing out. So we talk about the importance of abiding in the Lord. And then very quickly, what about the inevitable appearing of the Lord? Jesus is coming. Listen again to what John said. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears. Have you ever paused to reflect upon how many times the scriptures talk about the second coming of Jesus? Jesus himself talked about his second coming, his second advent. Jesus said, of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only, in Matthew 24, verse 36. So we don't know when he's coming. He's coming, as Peter said, as a thief in the night. When you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel writers are saying Christ has come. From Acts to Revelation, the writers are saying Christ is coming again. So here's the question. He's coming. Here are the possibilities. Since Jesus is coming, you can anticipate his coming with a fearless disposition. In other words, 
you can look to the coming of Jesus with confidence, with boldness. Listen again to what he said. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence. If Jesus were to come tonight, would you have confidence? Let me give you an example of this. Over in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. Here's what the apostle John said, and John is about to lay aside the pen of inspiration the latter part of the first century. John said, even so come Lord Jesus. Let me tell you what, that is confidence. That is a fearless disposition. Here is John saying, Lord, come. Do you have that kind of confidence? Do you have that kind of fearlessness? If he comes, so be it. If Jesus were to come and I'm living as I ought to be living, what's gonna happen to me? Well, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, he'll separate the sheep from the goats, and guess what? We'll be with the sheep. And he'll say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So on the one hand, we have this inevitable appearing of the Lord. When he comes, what we want to do, we want to have confidence. We want to be fearless. We want to stand ready and waiting for the Son of God. We want to be like John, who in the long ago said, even so, come Lord Jesus. That's faithful anticipation. The flip side of that is we can be fearful. Instead of being fearless, we're fearful. Why would we, why would we be fearful? Well, because we're not ready. Listen again to John. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. In Mark chapter 8, verse 38, Jesus talked about those who are ashamed of him and his word. And it said, those who are ashamed of him and his word he said, when the Son of Man comes, what's going to happen? He'll be ashamed of us. If your life is not right with the Lord, you're not ready for him to come. You ought to be concerned. On the one hand, those who are in Christ, who are abiding in Christ, who are staying close to the Lord, they don't have to worry. Those of us who are trying our, our dead level best to live a faithful life, if the Lord comes tonight, so be it. Why? We go home to be with him in glory. We, we go home to be with him forevermore. We get reunited with loved ones from days gone by where we will spend an eternity forever and ever and ever. So we're confident. But if we're not in Christ Jesus, if, we're not, if we've not been baptized into Christ and we're not a part of his body, we're not ready for him to come. We can't afford for him to come. Why? Because we'll lose our soul. In other words, we won't make it. That ought to be cause for concern or alarm. We want to live in such a way so that when Jesus comes, we're ready. As a fellow said, we're sitting on go. What about you tonight? Are you staying close to the Lord? Is your life in harmony with the will of God? 
If Jesus were to come tonight, would you be fearless or fearful? If you're here tonight and you're not a member of the body of Christ, we plead with you to come to him who has promised to give you life. What do you need to do? Well, you need to believe that he is the son of God, John 8, verse 24. You need to be willing to repent of your sins, that is, turn from the life of sin, Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. And then be baptized, immersed in a watery grave of baptism so that every sin will be washed away. Why? Because you contact the blood of Christ, the grace of God, the mercy of God. And God then adds you to the church, Acts 2, 47. And if you live faithfully until death, the promise is the crown of life. If you're here tonight, you're not faithful, why not come home? Why not come as we stand and sing?